the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. Glad to have you with us in our second hour. The number is one 367 5329 Need three more callers uh, to call in. You don't have to be new, but I'd love to have new callers, new listeners call in. one 367 Three six seven five three two nine, and uh, and help expand our topic for this second hour. Let me go to line number one while you are calling and talk with Brother B in Pano. Let's see who Brother B is in Pano. Are you there, sir? I am here, Pastor PJ. Okay, who is Brother B? Can you hear me? Well, this is uh, Brother Buchanan. Um, I mean, I'm really I've been tracking with you for a long time, and I really. I got to first commend you for what you've been doing and everything you're saying. And I just feel like you just said people aren't brave enough to come out and speak because, you know, we're in this cancel culture. And sure. like you said, the church isn't really, it has, has no voice in what's going on. And I just like, I just want to commend you first of all, and, and just ask like, is it even possible to, to be, you know, following a, a a movement that's against the the nuclear family. You know what I mean? Or is it even is it even possible to call your, yourself a Christian and be on those that that you know on the other line of of the of the equation? It's just like it's just so many. I just can't believe America. It would be this foolish. And we have the we have the book. We have we have the teachings. We have there's so much stuff that you. You just lay out so clearly. I think I heard you make an uh, analogy earlier about um, how pretty much if, if we really were trying to rich, get money from someone for anything, we would pretty much be taking it out of one pocket and putting it into the other pocket because we're so mixed now. There's no yeah. way that we can be using a race thing. Yeah. It's like yeah. no one yeah. can use that. It's just so crazy. And I just, I just love how you just bring it, and I just wanted to just definitely – Tell people, like, man, support Pastor PJ, pray for PJ, because what he's doing is like none other. The way you keep it real is just, I, I just, I just can't, I just can't hey, put it hey, in the words. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, man, I'm glad you call. I, I'm going to just, I'm, I, I'm glad you called, uh, uh, Brother Brian, Brother, uh, Brother B, and I want to expand that while we're getting calls on the line. I, 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 my heart is just aching at the, um, that lost men and women uh, who are looking, who are looking for sound Christian uh, principles to bridge the gap between this diabolical lie that uh, obviously you've been listening to me as I've been unpacking this whole Marxist thing, this whole critical race theory yeah. thing, this whole fallacious argument. And I'm glad you got it. Um, 
the 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 improbability of being able to uh, distinguish factually and fairly uh, genetically the distinction between whites and blacks in a pure sense by which uh, reparations might even begin to be remotely just in the sight of God is the probability is almost nil, like you said, and that's why I argued that if I'm going to condemn white people for things they did to black people, I'm probably going to condemn myself. I might as well take the money out of my left pocket and put it in my right. And in, 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 in that light, we know that we're dealing with a postmodern uh, uh, a framework of, of logic, and that is abandoning reality, abandoning science, abandoning facts, and simply fabricating a narrative called black and white, which does not actually exist within the context of ethnic groups, uh, to be honest about it. For us to even start off on a premise of she's white and I'm black basically defies all biological, genetic, ontological reality. And so so we're, we're admitting that we're engaging in a conversation that's fraught with all kinds of uh, factual uh, fallacies. And, and therefore, if the Christian is going to be helpful to people, we're going to have to be sound in our logic and, and clear in our language to help men and women understand that this is about the truth. This is about the truth. This is not about just one narrative winning out and another narrative succumbing to that narrative. This is about... This is about truth. And and so I don't know, man. I really don't know if our culture, the Christian culture in America is up for that task because it's been so sleep for so long playing church and getting caught up in secularism and being emotionally centered instead of really, truly rooted in God's word. We've been playing church for decades upon decades upon decades. And so our language is not our language is not sufficiently developed in terms of a mature worldview to be able to engage the present dominant narrative that most people are getting used to, even young uh, middle-aged kids, uh, uh, elementary school, middle school, and high schoolers, they know the narratives, they know the arguments, they understand this whole, uh, this whole narrative argument. And when the church is, is, is completely bereft of, of engagement, then, then our mouths are shut. But what say you? I just, I just want to, I think I should just definitely press, press home that how you just keep preaching this, uh, this, this awokeness. The, yeah. that saves us yeah. and it, it pretty much is telling us we're not supposed to look to the left nor to the right we need to keep straight and we yeah. we, we need to be also ready for that 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 ship crashing and we be yeah, because it's coming by the lord you know yeah, it's coming this is it's this we just need to dig in there and find our nuggets and and just know that we're not supposed to be of this world and just stop living in our feelings so much. And, and like you said, I, I just love how you always bring the, the spiritual truths to what's going on right now. And I just yeah, love man. it. And I just want to tell you, just keep doing it because that's what saves us. is the, that awareness, that consciousness of what's going on. Um, and we, I agree. To, <laughs> we can't, I agree, man. I agree. I agree. Listen, thank you for the thank you for the call, my dear brother. I agree with you fully. I just want other people to share in on this this wonderful mission opportunity and not be deceived and certainly not be fearful. But brother, brother B got it, ladies and gentlemen. He totally got it. I, I don't know if I know him, but apparently he's been keeping up with what I've been doing. I have intentionally been uh, putting the uh, plow 
share and the pruning hook to the field and breaking up the follow ground of hard hearts. I've offended a lot of people uh, and I don't mind it because, uh, you know, either we're going to bear fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, or we're going to perish in our hypocrisy uh, as church folk if we don't if we don't actually know how to give an answer to every man of the hope of the calling that's in us with uh, with, with a sufficient meekness that's rooted in truth like Jesus did. Uh, you know, people talk about loving Jesus day, today, but the reality is if the Jesus I know, uh, if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were present today, they would kill him on the spot. The Jesus that's being proffered by most churches today is a syrupy, emotional, uh, lopsided Jesus that doesn't even remotely bear any resemblance to the consuming fire and passionate redeemer who knows how to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help him, God, uh, and his uh, grandservant, the Apostle Paul, uh, 80% of the New Testament written by him. This is why most of your evangelical church does not sound like Jesus and does not know Pauline theology, uh, because it's a, it, it, it will transform your mind and it will it will cause you to understand and discern the voice of the serpent. I'm doing a series in the book of the Revelation right now at grace-bible.com for anybody that wants to go through the Revelation with me. I am at the pinnacle of that series. I'm in Revelation chapter 13. I am going to be dealing with the pseudo interpretations of the mark of the beast and the number of the name and all of that this coming Sunday. And uh, if you guys want to catch up with me, you can go online, gracedasbible.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Um, I think Brother B has a very good handle on what I am doing as I am seeking to exalt Christ as the answer. Explain scripture as the wisdom and call the true, call the children of God, true believers, to uh, bear witness to the truth and not compromise the gospel. I've got to take a hard break. When I come back, I'll take your phone calls. Let me see here. Line one, line two. We've got two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back at the time, 6.20 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Time flies when you are enjoying yourself. Let me go to line one because all the lines are full. Uh, line number two and talk with Doris uh, in Redwood City. Doris, are you there? Hello, Doris on line number two. Is Doris there? Doris going once. Doris going twice. All right, let's go to line number four and talk with Carolyn in Oakland. Is Carolyn there? Uh, all right, I'm. I'm. Are we do we have anybody online? Hello. Hello. All right, who is this? This is Eddie. Eddie. Okay, Eddie, where are you from? I'm from Novato, California. Thanks for picking up. Okay. Oh, great. Thank you for calling. How can we help you, brother? You know, help me to sort this out. I've been practicing what you've been preaching. Uh, just people are, they want to have the dialogue, believe it or not, in the real world of vocation and work and just sidewalks and just being uh, in community. So they're asking me as a Christian, um, 
hey, tell me about this. And I want to know what a Christian's point of view is on this. And and I get I get a little defensive, but then I start to dive into the conversation, and it usually ends up on one topic. I don't care if it's uh, the Second Amendment. I don't care if it's it, it's all tied around the um, all the action about COVID, the fires, and um, the social justice with the Black Lives Matter. So sure. I. I've been recognizing people's fear and and kind of asking them where they get their hope and and I let them talk and they want to be heard. Yep. And and it's it's absolutely working because eventually we get we can get to a spiritual conversation because I have hope and it's yeah. true hope yeah. and yeah. it's got joy in it and it's actually so eventually when the when political conversations for me get too circular and I end up going, I'm this talking head and you're this talking head, I say, you know, sure. we continue this conversation, but I have to I have to tell you I'm gonna start merging it in with a biblical worldview. And 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 they're kind of open. So next thing you know, the topic can be adjusted with with I don't want to call it Christianese, but you have to speak English. You can't start talking scripture to people that have never heard it. So you've got to kind of speak truth, but you have to use English. And it, and it, it does open the dialogue, and they leave actually a little bit hopeful. Uh, they want to continue the dialogue. And I've planted a seed that, you know, my Lord Jesus Christ is still in control, and nothing's different changed into the sun. This has been going on for centuries. Um, I agree. So I agree. I... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead on. No, go ahead. Are you finished? Well, I just want to just top it. it. It's it's hard for me in a business setting to start touching on sin and to start. So I need prayer for courage to actually ask him. So what do you believe about Jesus? My my best line in has been, well, do you have a Bible? Start in Proverbs if you want to hear from God or start in the book of John if they're interested. So I'm kind of fishing. I fish a lot in general for real. Yeah. But I'm yeah. a fisher of men and a fisher of conversations to kind of find out where fertile soil is. Where and what kind of soil to mess with? Because I certainly don't want to throw my pearls before swine, not in pride, but in in guardianship of of my love for Jesus. Yeah, no, all of that, everything that you stated, uh, everything that you stated, man, is uh, Eddie is good. I'll, I'll tell you though, uh, what you probably are being a bit challenged with, which is not a bad thing, having uh, having concern about our audience, our auditors, the person that's listening to us is extremely important in terms of being a wise witness. It's important. I, the idea of just quoting thousands of Bible verses, that's not the way to witness. That's not the way to communicate to people who will not know that language. Um, you are speaking in English, though, even if you do quote Bible verses. The issue will always be finding a context in your dialogue by which when you can be clear on what that person is really seeking, what he is or she is really asking for, uh, you know, being able to make a legitimate connection between that and what they need. So being able to hear what they are asking for and being able to know what they need is a, a, a major and important strategy of the wise witness so that even if you find yourself compelled on that day if the Spirit of God is so moving you to talk about sin, that's not a hard topic to talk about, even if we framed it in terms of um, 
of a of a person's uh, uh, regard to maybe low self esteem or anger mm-hmm. or frustration or uh, or vindictiveness and incl- inclination want to want to punish somebody because basically our culture has shaped the narrative for us that really allows us to peg a lot of different uh, terms a lot of different phrases that are out there whether it's racism mm-hmm. whether it's discrimination whether it's uh, sexual identity, all of them are major uh, points by which we can peg redemptive realities into it to begin to have a conversation that can lead to uh, the gospel and its in, and its need in the, both their life and minds. When I teach evangelism, I largely do this. Uh, uh, Eddie, I basically, once I have understood where they are and what they need, I, I get into the pit with them and start with me. Like, yeah, man, I feel you. Here is where I am. I am very much aware that I am a sinner. So I'm not saying they are a sinner. I'm saying I am a sinner and that my problem all my life has been my ignorance of my disconnect with God. And I have blamed that on all kinds of people, situations and things. In reality, my problem has been a deficit between me and God. And it has uh, it has it has resulted in. in my brokenness and, and the, the remedy uh, has, has been made known to me in, in, in God's son, Jesus Christ. And so what I'm doing now is building a, a, a gospel conversation with this person, not from the standpoint of indicting them, but sharing with yeah. them my own transformation. Now, this is called starting with the witness and then preaching the gospel because witnessing to somebody is different than preaching the gospel. When you witness to someone, you are telling them what God God has done for you. When you preach the gospel, you are telling them what Christ has done for sinners. Mm. Well, that is that is beautiful because I it's so unique per person. And yep. um, basically, if I can expose their fear and hope and my fear and hope and compare notes, they might have an option. And exactly. And then we can leave in peace. Yet they're stirred and I'm feeling uh, certainly, um, you useful or, or in the spirit or whatever God does to, to bring me contentment and actually participating in, in what opportunity we have, because I don't think the church is actually failing. I think a lot of things are happening in homes, in families, in Christians individually, that's giving them a little bit of courage in the back scenes, the alleys, a lot of little places, people are probably making a lot of progress that nobody really sees, and I believe that about the Lord. He's doing much more infinitely than we could ever imagine, and I thank you for your show. I thank yeah, you for man. picking up, and, yeah. um, and God Bless is Bless you, brother. Again. Yeah. Okay. And when you're and, and when you're yes, listen, when you're done with people, you know, just do this caveat because we have two roles. We have the role of being prophetic and then we have the role of being priestly. And this is where the social justice movement and this horizontal uh, uh, agenda of going out and doing good works has completely eclipsed the gospel. We are to be prophetic and we are to be priestly. Whenever you're done having a conversation with people, always say, you know, I'm going to be praying for you because as a Christian, that's what I'm called to do. Is there anything I can pray for in particular? That always helps them understand wow. that you are for them, not against them. Amen, amen. That's, that was the one point I wanted to emphasize in the beginning before I called you was we have to come at it from a caring position. 
We have that's to called the priesthood first. first, and then they that's called the priesthood. In your voice, Amen, Amen. I will Bless pray you. for these people, and I will remind them that I am. And thank you. I'm praying for you now. In Jesus, yep, name. I need it. Bless you. Okay, friend. All right, I'm going to take another break. Let me see here. I've got um, Steve on the line. Carolyn, uh, I've got Steve, Lex, and Carolyn. Steve, Lex, and Carolyn. Uh, one line open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Remember, if you are a child of God, you have an office of prophet and an office of priest. You better figure that out because everything else is a waste of time. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his soul? You are not a Christian. If you are helping people overcome discrimination, if you're helping people get a job, if you're helping people solve all kinds of social, political, national, ethnic uh, problems, you're not a Christian until you can exercise your office as a prophet and a priest. We cannot lose Jesus in the midst of this journey. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we are back. We've got one line open if you want to join us. We've got a good 25 minutes to continue talking. one 367 5329 one Let me go to Carolyn on line number two before we go to Steve. Carolyn, are you there? Yes, Pastor Jesse, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing today, my sister? I'm well. I have a, a comment, and then I have a question. Yes, ma'am. I hear I hear you talking about uh, churches playing church. And, yes, ma'am. And uh, not not yeah, don't let me misquote you, but not preaching the gospel like you do. Are you are you saying that you're the only one that breaks down the scriptures like you do it? Um, so you did misquote me. Okay. Uh, you may have heard that from you. May, you misquoted me, or you may have heard it from somebody that's uh, that is uh, zealous for my teaching. You, you want to make a distinction before we address that proposition? Yeah, I I, I haven't heard uh, other churches break down scriptures like you do. I know, I got it here, but what I wanted to do was make sure that we frame that your your open assertion correctly. So. <clears throat> You have never heard me. There will be no one that can legitimately assert or uh, allege that what I say is uh, no one preaches the gospel like me. Now, I have heard a lot of people say that about me, but that's those are two different things. For someone to say, PJ, I have not ever heard the gospel preached like you preach it is different than for me to say, no one preaches the gospel like me. Now, so I wanted to clarify that. However, I have often stated that in many of our churches, the gospel is not preached. Uh, that they don't preach it like me is probably true too. I'd be open for that uh, litmus test and examination, no doubt about it. But it's clear by my availability to all sorts of Christians across the globe that one of the clear problems in our churches is that the gospel is not preached. We have a litany of things going on in our churches, but not the preaching 
and teaching of the gospel. Now, the gospel, Sister Carolyn, is the person and work of Jesus Christ, not just a simple statement that Jesus died for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day. That's calling an advertisement of the gospel. Gospel preaching is preaching who God is, who Christ is, why he came, for what did he, for whom he came, what he accomplished when he came, and where he is now in relationship to what he has accomplished. In other words, the preaching of the gospel has to do, again, with the person and work of Jesus Christ, which is our need as human beings. And so when I have stated for years that a person can preach the word of God and they can exegete scripture and they can talk about historical events and they can talk about um, uh, Old Testament narratives that talk about love and patience, or they can talk about King David fighting the giants of fear and fighting the giants of anxiety and fighting the giants of, uh, of trepidation. All of those are applications. The problem is they are empty of really what the content of the Old Testament is about, and that is Jesus. King David is a type of Jesus. The Philistine giant is a type of our sin and and our rebellion and our enemy, the devil. And King Jesus is the mediator between God and man who stood in the gap to deal with the rebellion, the Philistine rebellion of our sin and disobedience. And if it wasn't for Christ's valiancy on the cross, the foolishness of preaching represented by the stone and the sling that David used to take the giant out. You and I wouldn't wouldn't even have a chance at going to glory. So it was for the whole of the Israelite army. David stood in their stead. All they did was stand on the sideline and watch David win the battle against the champion. And when we preach the gospel, we are preaching Jesus Christ as the one who has slain the champion of this cosmic spiritual world called Satan. And for it, we enjoy the victory along with Jesus. So that's called gospel preaching. And it's to be done everywhere in the Bible all the time consistently by pastors after they may give a basic historical analysis, a, um, a, a, a practical application, even if it may have some emotional or pragmatic principles to be drawn out of it. But if they come short of preaching Christ and him crucified, they are neither Pauline or Christine in their approach to scripture. And that is the big tragedy of our nation and our world. Christ is not preached in that regard. So your second, uh, your second observation was what, my sister? Uh, that was it. That's what I wanted to know. Okay, so you do you understand a little bit now what I mean by the importance of preaching Jesus, that Jesus said, lo, I come in the volume of the book is written of me to do thy will. And that when Paul said in First Corinthians 2, 2, I am determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And when John was told by the angel in Revelation chapter 19, 10, he said, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if men and women are not exalting Christ in their worship, in their service, in their talking, they don't have the spirit of prophecy. And that is a major indictment on our churches. Uh, today and um, and 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 it's not that all men aren't doing it, all pastors aren't doing it. Certainly, some of them are. 
but we're not doing it anywhere near about enough. This is why many of our churches have collapsed, collapsed into socialism and works religion and have bought into identity politics, even ethnocentrism, that is blackness, um, like it used to be whiteness. And none of that has anything to do with Jesus. So we got to get back to Jesus as the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the substance of all things, the one for whom uh, all men and women find hope in the true and the living God because of what he has done for us, not what we have done for him. Uh, Thank you for the call, my dear sister. Always love to hear from you. Let me go to line number one and talk with Steve from Hayward. Steve, are you there? Steve is here. Hey Steve, what's going on, man? Hey, uh, I'm doing okay. I um, uh, how you doing? Man, it's good to hear from you. Okay, I had a question. Sure. I keep hearing you talking about all these isms: socialism, communism, fascism, uh, Marxism, <laughs> uh, totalitarianism. Yeah, which which ism is the United States in right now? Exactly. I love it. They are in the socialism paradigm. They are in this such a germane question, my brother, such a germane question, because we're, we're barely staving off uh, a, a takeover of communism. Uh, and if anybody wants to test me on this, they can look around the world at all of the revolutions that are taking place in all of the different countries. And you will find a Marxist communist uh, agenda that's taking place that looks very similar to what we are about to go through. And it's in countries that um, have basically failed either as a socialist country or as a um, fascist totalitarian country. And communism is, is, has been a longstanding argument as to wanting to uh, equalize the field level the field and make sure that people uh, okay now let me see here to my screen caller to my screen caller make sure that you don't pop me up in the wrong area because I'm getting feedback Uh, so yeah uh, Steve we're dealing with a socialism that is about to tilt over into communism because of a godless capitalism okay and let me. And, 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 did, did, does do those terms make sense to you? They're making sense, but I had this other question: uh, yes, Where is Jesus in our country now? Right. Great, 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 great. So now I wish I had more time. This is what I'm working on. I'm working on a podcast to start talking about these kind of critically important questions. Where is Jesus in our country now? He has been basically hidden in the treasury. As uh, the Bible was hidden in the treasury back in the days of Josiah, I don't know if you know the Old Testament well enough to know that for a long time after King Solomon had his heyday with 700 wives, 300 concubines, and the kingdom was divided between the two uh, southern tribes and the 10 northern tribes for a long time, everybody was going to church, but the Bible wasn't unpacked, opened up. It was not a Christocentric or Bible-based church going. So everybody was going to church having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And God decided to raise up a young man in Josiah, just eight years old. By the time he was 16, Spirit of God mm-hmm. moved upon him, and he began a reform in the nation of Israel. And he was going through the temple, cleaning up the temple. This is what I'm going to be preaching on Sunday, because the big sin of national Israel is the big sin of America, and it's called 
idolatry and covetousness. That is where the mark of the beast will be talked about on Sunday. If any of you guys want to check in, grace-bible.com. But what happened was Josiah found a book of the law hidden up under the treasury where the people put the money, Brother Steve. And when once he had that Bible opened up and read, his heart broke and he realized that the priest and the prophets weren't preaching Jesus. They were preaching money. They were preaching. Uh, they were preaching politics. They were preaching uh, uh, polytheism. They were worshiping Moloch. They were worshiping Baal. They were worshiping the pagan gods all around them. And Jesus wasn't being preached. In the same way, they got used to and accustomed to going to church without hearing Jesus being preached. That's exactly where we are in our nation and in our country today. Jesus is a little side note. He's not the substance and essence. He's not the center and foundation. He's not the premise and promise. He is just a little side note in people's uh, agenda. And that is not biblical Christianity. Listen, brother, I got to take a hard break, pay some bills. Hold on for a second. Steve, hold on. Uh, Let's take a break, pay some bills and come right back. See if we can close out our callers on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, let's go back to line one and finish up with Steve. Steve, are you there? I'm still here. Right. Did you capture the essence of what I was saying about um, about where we are in our country and that isms? Uh, you know, don't don't get fatigued about the term ism. Ism is just a suffix that that follows up terms that either uh, define movements or define ideologies such as Buddhism, Hinduism, socialism, feminism, communism, etc. Uh, when you take the ism off, then you have the basic root uh root meaning of of the word in view. And unfortunately, that's the only way you can kind of uh, simplify uh, what is taking place in the complex world in which we live. I'm going to give you the last word, our last question before I move on to my next caller. Okay. Uh, the one thing that I hear from you, uh, because I do hear you quite a bit, uh, is the left, a left. I never hear about a right, but I hear a left, the left, the people on the left, the people on the left. Yeah. Yeah, uh, if they're all right, and we're yeah, the best left. Okay, the oh, excellent, excellent. Uh, I mean, if we were to just speak from a moral standpoint, the right is always better than the left. You would know that. Um, but if you were to go to our website, Grace Bible dot com, I did a series called "The Loud Left," the Loud Left. And the loud right. Um, and I'm dealing with politics at this point because of where we are today. And I'm talking about how the left has an ideology and how the left is a movement as well as the right. So if you were to look up politically the platforms of the uh, the political right, that would be your conservative dip, uh, Republicans or your conservative independents or your conservative uh, constitutionalists, you would see their platforms would operate out of conservative principles with conservative values <clears throat> and and then you would go to the left and you would find that the left would be operating out of ideological values that don't reflect at all brother Steve uh, a biblical worldview 
Uh, and it's really important to know that the left and the right are distinct enough for Christians to have to admit uh, where they stand when it comes to values, morals, and ethics. I wish I had time to actually uh, explicate that further, but what you are welcome to do is call me back next Monday and I can develop that a little further. But when we talk about right, the right, we're talking about conserving historically uh, traditional values like marriage, uh, hard work, uh, religion, uh, freedom, uh, meritocracy, and things of that nature. When we're talking about the left, unfortunately, we're talking about abortion. We're talking about uh, homosexuality. We're talking about transgenderism. We're talking about pedophilia. We're talking about right now uh, a, a, um, a radical emphasis on racism and discrimination leading to uh, a revolution that would destroy any of the historic values that would be biblical in nature. So when we do talk about the left and the right, and particularly yours truly, I speak more to the issues of the left. <clears throat> Excuse me, because the lift issues of the left is what has taken so many folks who call themselves Christians and have drifted away from a biblical worldview when it comes to what God's standards are for human beings, who they are and what they are and how they are to be in the world. I hope that helps. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I look forward to talking with you in the future. Let me see. Let me go to Lex on line number three. I might have a minute or two with him. Lex, are you there? Uh, hi, Pastor Jesse. Um, I'll hi. try to make it quick. Um, I just wanted to um, tell you just amen all, with all you've been teaching. I totally agree with it, and thank God for you for not being silent on this um, issue. But I did want to get a biblical Christian view on... Um, I know this movement has been taken away off a lot of pressing issues like current relations with China. So I just wanted yeah. to get your view on the claims that COVID-19 was purposely released by Chinese military as biological warfare. Because um, right. you know, we can't really talk about it. And if we do talk about it, like now we're being called racist or being racist against Chinese people. Um, right, and I, right. Yeah. What, what, what is your thoughts on that topic? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> right, well, what they're trying to do is counsel you. Counsel. That's a counsel culture move. That is a uh, that's a, a fallacy of the left in terms of wanting to avoid dealing with some of the parallelisms between communism uh, in China and the communist movement that's taking place all around the world, particularly on the part of the left. Uh, Joe Biden is deeply entrenched in uh, the communist country through his son and, and communism is operating out of an oppressive paradigm of control over its people, even though it has a capitalist system of finances. There's a lot to be talked about concerning the uh, the, the country of, of, uh, of China and honest Chinese Christians, if they had an opportunity to jump in and have the conversation with us, would let us know <clears throat> that what I'm talking about is absolutely correct. There's major oppression, as is always the case when communism ultimately dominates a country. But to the facts, 
that that was a biologically strategic warfare attempt on the part of China to uh, spread the world with COVID. We have no substantial empirical by, uh, evidence to to that being true. We, we cannot, therefore, as Christians, adopt that narrative because that would be mere speculation. And one of the things we have to be careful about right now in the world where narratives are fabricated and hoisted and foisted upon us as the truth is to make sure that we are, are not perpetrated trading these same kind of false narratives. We got to prove all things, Lex, and, and hold fast to that which is good. So as interesting as that theory is, we have no grounds to perpetuate it as the truth. Make sure that you're saying the theory is, not the facts, not the truth. And as as to people telling you don't talk about uh, China, that's racist. That is a fallacy of argument. You can talk about anyone, anywhere, anytime and not be talking about their melanin. That's a complete fallacy of application. It's a genetic fallacy. So remember that. Anyhow, glad to be with you guys on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I look forward to hearing you again. And if you want to keep up with me at grace-bible.com, we're getting at it because it needs to be got at. Until next time, God bless you.